What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. A lot of people need some help with really planning out their wellness goals. We tend to plan out every aspect of our lives. So we are planning to go on a vacation next year, or we're planning our financial goals. We want to buy a house next year, but we don't plan out our health and wellness goals. So I think that's big for us. Hey, it's Monique and welcome to episode 84 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share strategies on how to start and keep going with the practical vegan lifestyle, sharing my experiences and bringing on guests to share theirs. I also like to sprinkle in some wellness and just um, vegan entrepreneurship and just business overall, because those are subjects that I love. So yeah, just make sure that you come hang out with me on social media. Let me know what you think of the show. Um, I'm Brown Vegan everywhere, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I hope all is well in your world. I'm over here sipping on some green juice because last night I ate like four or five cookies. (laughs) So let me tell you what happened. Um, Just For All, I think is the name of the brand. Yeah, just, Just is what is named for short, but Just For All, they came out with some vegan cookie dough. And um, I saw it in the grocery store yesterday morning and I had to get it because that was the first time I've actually seen it and I've heard great things about it. So I was like, let me try this. I'll, you know, go ahead and buy it and have it in the free. I put it in the fridge and we'll eat it over the weekend. Well, my kids saw it. So I ended up making it last night before. And it was like (laughs) it was kind of late, too, when I made it. It was like nine o'clock last night when I made these cookies. And let me tell you, they are so good. They reminded me of the cookies in the tube. Remember those cookies in the tube that your mom made back in the day? It reminded me of those, the same exact taste. I'm telling you, they nailed it. They really did. I'm like, I'm dancing eating these cookies because um, I'm not really much of a baker. So the fact that I was able to see some cookies in the store that are just like the cookies that I grew up on, it just took me back and they were just good. My kids crushed them. I was able to make a dozen out of one container. So that's the only thing. You can only get a dozen out of them. And it's $6.50. Yeah. So that's another thing. (laughs) I'm kind of glad that it is $6.50 because that means I won't be buying them very often. So that's a good thing about it. But also knowing that I could just go to the store. If I want some cookies, we having like movie night or whatever, I can make cookies. And I don't have to worry about you know, baking myself. So this is just one of the examples of why I'm so thankful that a lot of these brands are out because they just make it so convenient for you. And unfortunately, these products aren't the cheapest though. And so I think that's why a lot of times people think veganism is expensive, but it really isn't that veganism is expensive. It's just when you buy like products like that, (laughs) that can be expensive. But you know, buying like potatoes and spinach and and carrots and broccoli and beans and rice none of that stuff is expensive that's very affordable but it's just you know the specialty stuff is the junk food the stuff that we want (laughs) is usually kind of pricey so yeah I just wanted to I guess share that you know as something that's an option out there if you are somebody especially who is new to veganism and feel like you're going to be missing out you can make it 
as familiar as possible for yourself. So yeah, I'll link to the cookies on the show notes for this episode if you want to check that out. But and find out where they are near to you. I was in Wegmans, which is, Wegmans, as far as I know, is like in New York, Virginia, Maryland. I don't know if it's in other parts of the country. I have a feeling it's not. But um, I'm sure like Whole Foods and some other places have it. So I'll make sure to link it and you can just check out their website and find out where you can find their products. But they also make the vegan mayo. So if you, you've probably seen that in the short store because I've seen that in like the most, you know, basic grocery stores. Um, just that brand overall is just doing big things. And I see why these, you know, Hellman's and some of the other companies are shook, you know, because once it really starts to penetrate into the mainstream, it's a wrap for the egg and a dairy industry because they're showing how unnecessary it is to use eggs and dairy and how they can uh, make it happen without those ingredients. So yeah, I just wanted to share that because it was something I came across. So on today's episode, I have Letitia on the show, and she's going to be sharing her vegan journey, of course. She's a certified holistic health coach. And I love our conversation because we talked about veganism and why this is not a lifestyle that a lot of us see ourselves in, especially as black women. Some of the barriers in our lives that kind of prevent us from wanting to be vegan. So we talk about that, what we can do about it. We also dive into whether or not the animal rights conversation has a place in veganism, because I know from my own experience, just, you know, conversations with a lot of vegans that I know, a lot of us decided to become vegan for health reasons. And so I wanted to know whether or not it's a place for the animal rights. Is there even space in this conversation for that? And maybe there should be more education to get people to become vegan. We also chat about the divide among the vegan community and how sometimes the health vegans and the the ethical vegans kind of go in on each other about the reasoning for starting this lifestyle and why it really doesn't even matter. I mean, as long as we're all here and we're doing it and we have good intentions and we're saving, (laughs) we're saving the planet ourselves and animals, who cares, right? But I mean, that's a big issue within this community. Letitia also shares some tips on how to stay on track, which is super important. And also like getting really clear about why you're doing this in the first place, because that is a big way to stay on track with your vegan lifestyle. Finally, we chat about keeping your curves as a vegan, which is another concern, especially as black women. We're like, okay, I want to make sure I don't thin out too much. I want to make sure that I can still keep some of these thighs if I want some of this ass if I want, you know. You can get all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 84. So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Letitia of pieceoffood.com. The reason why I became vegan, I started noticing people around me getting sick. So my grandmother had diabetes. My mom had high blood pressure. I saw people getting cancer. And then I just started really wondering, it was kind of just like an epiphany <laughs> came to me one, one time. And I just started wondering, like, why is this happening? And especially in the black community, why are so many people sick? And I wanted to know what the connection was with food, like the food that we were eating. So I started my, doing my own research, uh, just Googling stuff, side effects of different things, and that kind of sparked a thing in my head. I was like, well, maybe I need to stop eating the way I'm eating. And what was that? How did that look? I grew up eating any and everything. Like my mother would love me because I would eat all the leftovers. So I I grew up eating like soul food, fried food. 
Um, every fast food place was like my best friend, like Popeyes, McDonald's. And I'm surprised looking back that I wasn't like completely overweight or anything like that because I would eat horribly. Talk like literally after school going to McDonald's and eating like 20 piece nuggets and getting like uh, ice cream from there. Like that was my dinner and not even caring about vegetables and like, you know, eating canned vegetables and stuff like that, but not really thinking about what I'm eating, just thinking about "Mm, this tastes good and that's what you eat and that's it. So I went into my wellness journey, not even thinking about veganism, just thinking about, okay, I need to eat healthier because it seems like this is why people are getting sick. All the fried food, fast food, convenience store foods. And it led me on this crazy little ride, basically, like from one thing to another. I And I thought, <laughs> like this sounds so crazy, but I literally thought like, you know, when you think of where your food comes from, like a farm, I thought there was like a cute little red barn and like animals roaming free and, you know, just happy animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And happy farmers, and that's where our food came from. But the more research I did, I realized that that was not the case. Like, the factory farms were insane with animal abuse and how it's affecting the the environment. So I literally just didn't know any of this. I grew up in, in Boston, so I was a city girl, not really being on a farm and knowing where my food came from. So I was very naive to that fact. It was just unbelievable for me, like, and I was really in shock about, like, the things they're shooting animals up with, antibiotics and medications because these animals are sick, but they're still feeding them to us. So I just started learning all of these things, and it led me to eliminating one thing at a time, so I didn't become vegan overnight. It was probably like a six-month process. Mm Mm-hmm. And just started eliminating things. I kept eating dairy. I kept eating fish. And then I started researching dairy. Then I started researching seafood and things like that. So it just led me down this whole path of information, uh, talking to different people about veganism, so people who are already already vegan. So it was an interesting thing, and especially being a black woman, it was hard because this was almost 13 years ago. So it wasn't just the norm and it wasn't a trend back then. And there was, wasn't was all these vegan companies and vegan uh, food products and vegan restaurants. So it was really a challenge in, in the beginning. And I wanted to give up like every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what kept you going then? Because... The reason I want to know is because a lot of us say we want to be healthy, right? We're like, okay, mm-hmm. we want to we want to combat, you know, uh, lifestyle diseases. We don't want to have to worry about any of that. We want to make sure that we feel good, that we look good, that we're healthy, right? But at the same time, that usually isn't enough of a reason to stay vegan. So what kept you going during those times when you were second guessing it? Honestly, what kept me going was, one, I started working at a raw vegan restaurant So that was very helpful. So being around people who were mostly on the same path as me was helpful. There was barely anyone that looked like me, but it was still helpful. 
Um, and two, I really just was, I don't want to say scared, uh, but it really put a fire under me that I could possibly prevent any of these diseases that I saw happening, I could prevent that from happening to me. So I just kept that in my mind every time I wanted to give up, every time I felt like I didn't know what to cook, every time I felt like, oh, I just want a burger, or I want to go to my favorite steak and cheese um, sub restaurant or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just kept, <laughs> I kept that in the back of my head like, no, I want to be healthy, and I don't want to... Um, to suffer from any of these lifestyle-related diseases. Yeah, and that accountability, I'm sure, really played a big part in the beginning, being around so many people who were already doing it. Right. It was helpful. It was helpful. Um, But then, on the other hand, I didn't feel huge support from, from people, like, directly around me. I felt like I was just the craziest person in the world, especially growing up the way that I did, eating um, just regular food. Uh, So your family, you mean as far as them, you didn't feel like they related to you, but at work you did, but probably not in your your day-to-day life. Yeah, it was kind of like I was looked at as a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) of course, I can relate to that. You grew up eating this, like you're not going to eat this now type thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes I think, do you think that it's the hard, that can be the hardest part, is the the social part of it? Oh, definitely, and I still feel that today, and it's been so long. Yeah. Eating this way is second nature. Um, I just recently went to a local, uh, it was called a Black Food Truck Fridays in Charlotte, which is super cool because I didn't know there were so many uh, black food trucks around here. But there was literally nothing for me to eat. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, cool. You know, I'll just walk around and I'll eat afterwards. <laughs> So it is that type of thing where food is the center of most social gatherings. So it is a challenge at times. It gets annoying sometimes because then I feel like other times people who do know you're vegan try to to say it like this, but it makes it sound like you have a disease or something like, oh, she's vegan. She's vegan. So, you know, what can you do for her? What can you help her with? And I'm just like, calm down. I can figure it out on my own or you know what I mean? Well, that's actually, I get I get that too. But that's actually mm-hmm. better than somebody like um, making you feel worse about it. Because I, I feel like right. a lot of times when you do it the way you just said it, it's like people are doing it because they want to make sure you're comfortable, you're good. They're just being right. a little overzealous about it. It's better than somebody teasing me because I don't want to be teased about it. Right. <laughs> that's true too. It's just hard. I guess for me, I don't like to be singled out and I don't like to make it feel like, oh, you have to um, accommodate me or like make a special thing for me because I feel bad in some ways. Really? Girl, I love when they make accommodations. (laughs) Like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I just feel like, oh, I don't want you to like have to do another dish or something like that because of me don't worry about me I'll be fine because I've figured it out all these years yeah so do you typically eat before you go and then how do you do it do you eat afterwards like you pretty like you did with the food trucks like how does that look um yeah it really just depends on where I'm going um who I'm with and things like that so if I'm going to a restaurant 
nine times out of ten, they'll. I know I can get a, a boring salad. You know, I think regular restaurants, and I'm saying regular in like quotation marks, um, are getting better mm-hmm. with having at least one vegan option that's not just French fries and salad. So I, I I'm glad for that. Uh, so I don't just have to go to a vegan restaurant, especially if I'm with my boyfriend or I'm with my family or a group of people. Yeah. So I think people are, uh, chefs are starting to be more aware of like, oh, I should co- accommodate a vegetarian or at least, I mean, a vegetarian is more easy, obviously, but at least one vegan meal on the menu that's not a salad. Yeah. But you know what I noticed it being, though? It's like a, a veggie burger now. <laughs> that's the only thing I, I ever know. see now. <laughs> I'm like, I want something else. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, too, I'm sure you look at it the same way. It's just like, it's just one meal. I can eat later. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Usually I'll have a snack in my purse. That's that's number one. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always tell people, you know, carry snacks with you, whether it's like a Laura bar or a piece of fruit or something. Uh, So you're prepared. But I think it's catching on enough where, uh, depending on where you live, because I live in... I mean, I live in a city that's growing. It's not as big as Boston, where I came from, but it's growing, and there's more restaurants popping up, which I'm happy about. But overall, I cook at home. Yeah, so you get what you need. Why do you think that black folks don't want to go vegan? What do you think is holding us back, outside of the social issues that can come from, you know, us deciding to make this decision? It's such a small percentage of black vegans, I feel like, overall, that when we decide to do it, our friends and family, like you said, they think we're crazy. So mm-hmm. are there any other reasons that you think that holds us back from starting this lifestyle and also doing it in a healthy way? Yes. And that's a very, I think it's, there's so many answers. Um, one, I think it has to deal with a lot of lack of nutrition education. That was huge. And I know for myself and for a lot of clients that I've had, I just don't know. Sometimes I'll walk into like a workshop or I'll think about doing a live and I'm like, people already know this, so why am I sharing this information? But people really don't know some of these things that I know or that you may know. So I think it's lack of nutrition education. When I had nutrition classes in school, I don't remember what I learned except the food pyramid back in the day. And I don't know how that's changed now for children, but the lack of education about what you eat and how it affects your body is limited. And I think especially in public schools and especially in minority areas. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my thoughts about that. Um, Another one is the socioeconomic issues with it. Um, So class. If you are struggling to pay your rent or struggling to pay your bills, the last thing you're worrying about is eating kale or quinoa. You know what I mean? So that's another big thing. Or even if leaving away from like just the food and looking at like exercise and self-care, because self-care is such a huge thing now, is are there playgrounds or green trails for you to walk on and get fresh air and things like that. Do you have a supermarket in your area? Are there farmer's markets that set up in your neighborhood? Things like that. So that's another thing. And then another huge thing is food culture. If you grow up eating something, it's very nostalgic. It's very, um, it's 
it's relate it just relates to you so much like what did your grandmother make for you when you were younger yeah. you know what I mean? it's ingrained absolutely exactly and it's so ingrained that people will just think it's normal and not even care if they have high blood pressure and they eat macaroni and cheese and fried chicken every day i'm being very <laughs> i mean that sounds very um like, uh, you know, just talking as far as like soul food, that's what I'm basing, um, basing it on. But soul food is heavy in, um, in bad fats and, and fried foods and, and animal products. So that's deeply connected to our culture. So it can be really hard to let foods like that go. Yeah. Let's dive into the two main parts that I got from that. And that is the the uh the soul food just the fact that we just you know when you said the grandmother thing it reminded me of my grandmother used to always me make too. me cabbage with bacon when I was a kid <laughs> she sort of reminded me so much of that when you said the grandmother part and another thing too as far as the lifestyle diseases it just kind of reminds me of some conversations that I've had with family members and they're like well as you get older it's expected to have high cholesterol high blood pressure that is just a part of being older, but we know, you and I know that that's not the case, but so the lack of education really is playing a part in why this continues to happen. But as far as the food thing, do you still get to enjoy a lot of the things that your mom, your grandmother made for you as a vegan? And how do you do that for yourself in a way that is uh, a little healthier than the way we grew up eating it? So, yes, I think it's with being creative and then there being so many people out there now who are also creative and getting ideas from them um, and cooking soul food in like a vegan way, veganizing everything is possible. Um, so you don't have to, I think a lot of times people will think of vegan food as bland and boring, but now, I mean, I don't even think now. It's just about being creative and having an open mind because, you know, when you think about how you season meat. You're putting herbs and spices onto your meats. You do that with your grains. You do that with your vegetables. You do that with, um, if you're eating faux meats and things like that, you can do that the same way you did it with your chicken and pork and beef. So just being creative and, and playing with recipes and things like that is a huge part of that. And so you don't have to lose that connection with your parents or with your grandparents um, or with the foods that you grew up eating. Just yeah. being, getting in the kitchen and being creative. Yeah, because I would have went vegan way before 2010, and I'm sure the case could be for you if I knew that I can make anything <laughs> vegan that I want. Now, I know that there's probably way more options now than 13 years ago when you went vegan, yeah. but, <laughs> like we talked about. But... I think that I would have went vegan faster if I realized that I can still enjoy some of those flavors, the texture, and just all of the parts that remind me of growing up if I knew that this was a possibility. And it kind of goes back to what you said about education, though, like the lack of education about, you know, nutrition, animal rights, all of that. Okay, hey. I'm going to ask you a question. And I know we did not plan to talk about this, but I'm just curious because you brought it up as far as like the animal rights and environmental. Do you think that more of us would go vegan if we had more education about that? Or does it have to be strictly health? I think I would have eventually gone vegan if I was introduced to animal rights beforehand, before the health aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Because when I first started researching it, I didn't think of that. 
And that was another thing. That was another lack of education because, like I said, I thought animals were roaming free and happy. And, like, I really didn't. It was just something I never thought about. And the way animals are presented to, I guess, Western society is cats and dogs. You know, we love cats and dogs, and that is it. Um, I never made the connection with animals being intelligent or any spiritual connection, but the more I went into it, that's how it developed for me. Mm -hmm. So I came to it with, okay, health, and then, oh my God, the animals are being like abused. I can't believe that. And then in my own mind, figuring out, okay, is there some type of karma related to how, how I'm eating animals? And are we taking on the energy from these abused animals and things like that? So it just one question after another led me down, like I said, down these different, um, or my wellness journey. So I think with um, the black community, animal activism isn't as, um, isn't the main in the main forefront, and I've even read the, the, this in the uh, book Sister Vegan. Um, when you're not represented in a group, it's hard, yes. especially with racism. And Breeze Harper, Dr. Breeze Harper, talks about this so much: how there's racism within the animal activism community. Absolutely. And I can relate directly to this because I joined a group in in Boston. I can't even remember the name, but I only went to a couple meetings, that's for sure. I was about to say, Dag, put them on blast, girl. <laughs> I, I just didn't feel welcome. Yep. Um, I was looked at like I was crazy, but I just felt uncomfortable going to the meetings, dealt directly with animal activism. And um, the divide within the vegan community makes me mad too sometimes when you have like, I, I hate to call them vegan Nazis where they're Oh, mad. that's what they are. Call them what they are. <laughs> I don't know what they are. <laughs> they're, they're upset with you because you did start for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the divide where it's like, okay, the um, animal activism vegans and then the health vegans. So I'm like, well, all of us are helping somehow. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't matter how, Right. It doesn't matter how you got here. We're all here, you know? Right. And absolutely. then, I mean, like I said, I started for health reasons, but then it developed into so much more. So I just think, you know, everyone's on their own path, whether you become vegan or not, and we should just respect each other and to make a better better world that sounds like kumbaya but <laughs> it's true it's yeah. true unfortunately i had a similar experience that you did when you went to an animal activist group i had a similar experience um definitely didn't feel welcome and i always and i felt like i only went to two different meetings but i did feel like animals were more important than people and to me i'm just like listen <laughs> What we're not going to do is do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I decided to become vegan for animal rights reasons, but I definitely don't believe that animals are above people. Like, I just think it goes too far in so many ways. I I never really feel, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel connected to this community because I just, you're not allowed to, to have different opinions about things. You just have to be, this is the way it is and that's it. You know, right. so I, I don't like that about this community. So I just try to carve out my own little space on the on the world and don't even worry about what everybody else is doing kind of thing. Because exactly. it's just, that's why yeah. I 
follow people who I connect with more, and especially that I'm seeing more black women like Absolutely. you, like the soulful veganista. Shout out to Jamila. Yeah, Jamila. Um, so cool. I just saw her last weekend. <laughs> yeah, so just like people like that, it, that inspire me and like that who are on the same page as me. Um, it's there's the positive, you know what I mean? So it's not just that negative. I don't pay no mind to that. Right. Uh, but the positive and really trying to make a healthier world uh, because a lot of people just don't realize how important it is. So Yeah, like I totally agree with that. But what do you, what do we do? Because I'm, I'm look, I'm asking you because I don't know what to do still. What do we do to bring this more, make it more of a forefront issue for black veganism as far as from animal rights uh, perspective that doesn't offend us as people of color because I understand why we get offended when we hear a lot of the language about yeah. about animals comparing like, it to slavery and stuff like actually like when PETA and stuff use uh, like psh. lynching photos and stuff like that right no. I'm offended by that but what I mean is as far as it like because it's okay to care about more than one issue it's okay mm-hmm. I can I can care about uh, racism police brutality women's rights animals rights human mm-hmm. rights I can care about all of that we're, we're allowed to do that so how do we what do you think we should do I know this might be a loaded question but what do you suggest because I, I don't know I'm still trying to figure it out myself I think we are on the right track so you with your um, your business and your podcast just reaching out to different types of people that you interview and getting the word out I think that's what we do the education portion, whether you're doing workshops, whether you um, just tell a family member, whether you are, <clears throat> excuse me, doing things in your community, I think that part is what's going to do it. And mm-hmm. for me, not coming from a judgmental space and that, and then not coming from a preachy space. So true. That's, yeah. And relating to people, I think telling my story is going to help people more than like, hey, you need to eat kale and stop eating this. Right. So telling people that, hey, I've been in your shoes. I ate uh, fried chicken and I ate Popeyes and I ate McDonald's and I ate Krispy Kreme donuts until I was in my 20s. So I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know how you're feeling when you want to give up. So just being that and be look and having, I feel like having um, a platform because... Back when I was starting, I wish I saw more people who look like me. Yes. When you mentioned Sister Vegan, that book inspired. That's the book that made me go vegan because I didn't realize that we were vegans. I didn't know. know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I was a vegetarian at the time. And I actually read the book that I read. It made me I went vegan for like a week after I read it was uh, Skinny Bitch. Remember that book? I do remember that. Yeah. read it though so I read that book and I didn't realize it was about veganism I just read it and I was like oh hell no <laughs> like what's going on here and so so I was a vegan for like a week and then after yeah. that I um because I didn't I didn't know what to eat I, you know I had a family I was like how am I gonna do this this is crazy so I was a vegan by default because I, the book terrified me so much like I was traumatized so much oh. by that book that I, I literally lived on sunflower seeds and water for like a week because I was oh like oh my god <laughs> what am I gonna my, eat you want to yeah. You want to know what I ate when I first became vegan? Yes, tell me, tell me. I literally sautéed spinach and mushrooms every day and white rice. That was my meal because I was like, I don't know what to what cook. Eat? I think, right. 
I think this is what I cook. Green, a little green, a little mushroom, and then rice. I think that's good. Hey, saute. I feel like we all started at sautés, too. <laughs> like, what I decided to be. So I read that book, and then I was a, vid, a vegetarian after reading Skinny Bitch um, for two years. And then I read Sister Vegan. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, veganism, This it spoke directly to me. And I was like, I can relate okay. to this. There's other women who are black vegans. And this is pre-Instagram, all of that. So I'm thinking. Funny. Yeah. And then I'm like you. I'm eating sautés because I didn't know what else to cook. <laughs> so how did I you get more? Thought that was it. Yeah. So how did so, you get more comfortable then in the kitchen? So I, um, and this is what I tell people: you have to, if you're committed to it, you're gonna find ways. So I looked up to see if there were cooking classes in my area. So I found a cooking class about. Uh, it was a vegetarian cooking class. So that was before I became vegan. I took that class and they taught you like, you know, five different meals. And I was like, oh, wow, you can do like cool things. It was kind of fancy. So I was like, I can't do all this, but I'll try and, you know, be more creative. Um, I bought a couple cookbooks. I think Veganomicon was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I worked at a, a raw vegan restaurant. I heard about them. I They were hiring, and I was like, I don't know if I can get this job, but I'm going to try. And I started working there, and that gave me ideas. And I even became raw towards the beginning of my veganism, which is very extreme, but I did it. So it's about being disciplined and really wanting to do it. And that's what I tell people. And I think the number one thing is I asked a question the other day on my um, ask, ask me anything on my stories. And I said, what is your like number one health and wellness struggle? And majority of the people that answered said consistency. And, and that comes down to how you're planning out your day. Are you meal planning? Are you shopping for the right things? Are you really committed to it? Because if you're not, then it's not gonna work. The reason why people aren't going to be consistent as far as meal planning and grocery shopping is because they're not really clear about why they're doing it long term. Because yeah. that's one thing to do a Daniel fast, and you know, it's one thing to say, Oh, I'm gonna do a, a 10 day vegan challenge, but what happens right. after that? You know, you have to right. dig a little deeper and determine what's gonna what this will look like for you long term. Because right. I think, yeah, that that stops people from really committing, and that's the thing like, is that your actual wellness goal, or are you doing it just because it's the Mm. I hate calling it trend. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy people are doing it, but are you just doing it because you see people on your timeline doing it, or do you really want to do it, or do you just want to eat healthier? Mm. And that's fine. So it is about like what, like the end goal. What is your end goal? Just doing it for a week, just doing it for losing weight for a vacation, uh, doing it for a lifestyle change. So that's the thing. Like. People need to dig deep to see what their intent, their real intentions are. Because you, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. You can just incorporate more healthy foods, more, uh, you know, leaving meat off your plate a couple times a week or things like that. So I think sometimes people do feel pressure because they see that, oh, yeah. this person's doing it now. I'm going to do it. This celebrity's, oh, Beyonce's doing it. Oh, I got to do it. So, and I love how you're making it, how you're saying that people should, it's okay to just incorporate some changes because I don't think we give ourselves credit for that. 
know. You know, if you're drinking almond milk and last last year you were drinking dairy milk, I mean, that's amazing. Like, give yourself yeah. some credit and some time. Because you said it took you six months to fully transition. Right. So and we don't give ourselves. Hard. Yeah. That, I'm probably <laughs> miserable. I, if I can think back to, like, think my first Thanksgiving, then my first Christmas is trying to go home, I was like, oh, man, let me just stay home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So outside of suggesting that people... Um, you know, just taking meat off their plate a few times a week to get started. What else, what other things do you suggest? Um, and I feel like we, we talked about getting clear about your why you're doing it and then the meat off your plate a few times a week. What else do you suggest as far as people getting started? What do you think they should do? I think um, one of the best things to do is just crowding out. That's what it's called. So crowding out like the bad stuff with good stuff. So adding smoothies to your, your daily meal plan maybe fresh juices, trying your best to buy healthy snacks so you don't have the bad snacks to reach for at your home if you're the person who goes food shopping. Uh, so those are a couple of, uh, of tips. But really just trying to have a plan. Maybe for the first week that you're trying to be healthy is having a smoothie for breakfast. You know, something simple like that, or drinking more water, like literally throwing out all your juice, all your soda, and only drinking water through at, with every meal or in between meals and things like that. So, like you said, most people are really hard on themselves and you have to start small. Start with the small steps and don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. I know you I, love smoothies. What's your what's your favorite smoothie to drink? Because I feel like you drink them every day, do you? I do. I try to when I don't have one. I'm like mad that I didn't. Do <laughs> <laughs> so you usually put vegetables in yours? Like I feel like yours always look kind of fruity, though. Like so fruit. I just went. I'm going through a phase of fruity smoothies now. Mm-hmm. I went through a green smoothie phase, and now since like the beginning of spring, I've been having like a mango strawberry coconut water, almond butter smoothie, and I'll add like a date and some hemp seeds. But um, I need to start back on my green smoothies too, because I, I used to add like, um, I used to do like pineapple, banana, spinach, coconut water. But it just depends. I go through phases and I'll play something else. I'll probably be sick of this one soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You keep it simple though. And, you'll, and you just rotate when you need to. That's good. Exactly, and I another tip. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Popped up into my mind is people need to know that they don't have to shop at these expensive stores. For example, Whole Foods. You can go to your local. I hate saying it, but if you're if you're trying to save your money, go into local supermarkets like Walmart, like your whatever's in your neighborhood. I know in my neighborhood it's like Food Lion, Aldi's, um, Trader Joe's. Walmart. So it depends, obviously, what neighborhoods you live in and if there's actually a health food store. But you don't have to spend a million dollars on your uh, groceries. Yeah. You can go to these stores um, where, you know, they're not as expensive and still shop healthy. 
so true. I'm glad you mentioned that because I only feel like I go to Whole Foods to get specialty ingredients, like exactly. stuff I can get. And then if you don't live near Whole Foods these days, you can get anything mailed to you. <laughs> like you can get from Amazon or Thrive Market, you can have them send groceries to you for the specialty ingredients that you can't exactly. get. But other than that, yeah, you can just go to, like you said, Whole Food Lion, Safeway is by, right by my house, a Safeway. Hey. Giant, yeah, so... Especially in these neighborhoods where they're labeled as food deserts. um, Yeah. Where it may just be the corner store and it may just be the the, uh, fast food joints. Or you might have one supermarket that you can walk to. Because I I think about these things of when I didn't have a car and I had to go food shopping. What about someone who's a mom and has a couple kids and doesn't have a car and there's no supermarket? You know what I mean? So it's... I think of these things like maybe she does want to feed her her family healthy foods, but she needs to walk to get her groceries and things like that. So I just have these things in my mind where it's like you can still do it. I know it may be a little bit harder, but there are ways to do it. And hopefully people start thinking about uh, the health of them, their themselves and their their families. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that is not talked about enough is the fact it's like if it's not accessible to you, it's easier and it's cheaper to eat the fast food place. That's what you're going to do. And so I think it's not even a lack of people not wanting to change It's because it's what's available to them. So that's a perfect example of that. Exactly. Yeah. That's hard sometimes uh, if you are in a, a neighborhood like that. My thing is, I um, in Charlotte, I realized that there's no farmer's market in my neighborhood, in my direct area. Mm-hmm. So one of my goals is to figure out how to bring a farmer's market to, um, to this side of town. Dope. Yeah. That's at least one good thing, and just figuring out how to, to have um, healthy access basically yes normal stuff like Like, right be able to walk to a farmer's market shouldn't have to go out your way absolutely yeah Yeah. i kind of want to shift gears because oh um, yeah because i see on your instagram that you are able to maintain your curves and i think that's another reason why a lot of us black women we're like um we want to make sure we can maintain our curves on this lifestyle (laughs) we don't want to thin away I know. So what do you do? What do you do? Is there anything actively that you do to maintain your curves or is just genetics? Like what's going on? (laughs) No, I think it's a combination. And that's what I always tell people. It really just depends on your body type for one. And I do, I'm a cyclist, so I'm on my bike a lot. And I'm not, I mean, I do yoga, but I'm not an everyday yogi. Uh, so those are my two things that I do, cycling and yoga. Awesome. But honestly, this is just my body type. Yeah, um, it's dope. I though. know. It's Thank dope. you. <laughs> I welcome. mean, I do eat, like, sometimes I'll eat bad and I'll eat junk food. Uh, but my weight has stayed this way overall. When I was a raw vegan, I did lose a lot of weight. <laughs> oh, did you? And, yeah, and I didn't like it. It wasn't me, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds weird, but it just, I didn't think it was right. I just think I wasn't eating right. Um, I was just eating like a lot of like coconut, a lot of like flaxseed crackers and- Not enough variety, it. you think? Yeah. Yeah. That was the same thing. I didn't know what to make in, a, in some ways, but I think it really just depends on your body type. I'm going to keep saying that to people because 
I know with social media now, um, it's hard because every other picture or whatever, if you go on the explore page, it's this celebrity looking like this, or this person got this surgery to look like this. So it's always in our face to, you know, that, that beauty standard. The beauty standard is now shifting to that body type, the big boobs, the small waist, and the big butt. So it, it keeps shifting, and I feel like a lot of women feel pressured to look that way. Yes. And if they don't, they think they aren't attractive. So I just keep telling people, you know, everyone is not going to look the same. If you're doing this exercise routine and eating this way, I'm not going to look how you look, and you're not going to look exactly how I look. And I just want to make sure people especially women, um, know that it's okay to look different and know that it's okay. Maybe you're thin and you're vegan. Maybe you're a little bit bigger and you're vegan or maybe you eat meat and you're super thin. So it just, it really depends. It depends on your exercise. It depends on your genes. It depends on how much you're, how many calories you're intaking. So there's all these different factors and there's all this pressure. And sometimes I even hate when people say it to me like, well, why do you have a butt and you're vegan? What? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Or they'll come in my DM like, you can't be vegan. You must be sneaking, like, meat on the side. Wow. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's the thing. We, do, we really do come in all shapes and sizes. We really do. We really, exactly. really do. So, so yeah. it's just. That's why we need to, that's why I think people who don't necessarily fit the mode of what people think that vegans are supposed to look like should probably post more selfies. Like I love, you know who I love, um, Eden Jacks, who was actually on the show a few weeks, well, not a few weeks, probably been about a month now that she was on the show and she is not, she always calls herself a fat vegan because she does not look like a vegan, a definition of what people think a vegan is supposed to look like. And so that's why I think we... And I say we because I don't look like what a vegan is supposed to look like either. I should post more selfies. We're supposed to look like what we look like. Oh, and if, you know, if you're, I'm saying this, but if you're like morbidly obese or something like that, that's different if it's affecting your health or Mm -hmm. if you're super skinny and you're maybe you're using uh, uh, masking like a eating disorder with veganism, that's different. And that's not what I'm talking about. So, you know, it just depends. There's all these extremes. But if your body is how your body is, like my body's been like this for a long time, um, that's just my gene. So that's why I tell people and um, hopefully people don't focus so much on that part and focus more on like the health and the animal activism and the environment. And hopefully, hopefully we can move on from that. Yes, 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 yes. And we just contribute to the world in a, in a bigger way. Yeah, um, exactly. absolutely. So before we wrap up, tell us about your 30 day program. At first, I, I want you to tell us about your 30, 30 day program and then tell us how we can follow you on social media and all of that good stuff. Of course. So um, I have a new 30 day program called How to Live a Healthy Vegan Stress Free Life. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> and this program um, is all about self-care and cooking for yourself and exercise and just overall holistic living. It doesn't just focus on the food part because there's more to life than that. And I tell people, you know, you could have the perfect vegan diet and your life is crumbling 
around you. It's a big part because, you know, people will come to me just about their diet. And I'm like, well, how's the rest of your life going, <laughs> you yes. know? So this program is about the mind, body, and soul. It touches a little bit on each every week. Um, there is a 60-page ebook with worksheets and, um, and exercises for you to do to figure out your wellness goals and then how to make those wellness goals come true. Because like you said, people will say they want to become vegan without a plan. And this program is all about how are you planning your wellness goals. Uh, so I talk a little bit about goal setting. I, I touch upon veganism, but you don't have, if that's not your end goal, this program would still work perfectly fine for you. Um, I go over how to do vision boards and how to come up with your own affirmations and journaling and how that works for you and coming up with your own exercise routines. So this is going to touch upon a little bit of, uh, touch upon a little bit of everything in your life because it's not just one aspect. And you can find me at peaceoffood.com. I am at peaceoffood on Instagram, peaceoffood on Facebook and Twitter. So that is how you can contact me. Thank you so much, Letitia, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Monique. I appreciate it. I hope this episode was helpful. Come over to my Instagram or Facebook page at Brown Vegan and let me know your thoughts. Also, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find us. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.